This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girlbomb. Girlbomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girlbomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self-care. So to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girlbomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hello and welcome back to Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Movie Mike, a.k.a. Mike Distro, a.k.a. the guy who just loves movies and does an entire podcast about it. And today I'm talking about my top five great movies that I only watched once. So that's the question. What is a movie that you love but... For some reason or another, you only needed to watch it one time. Also going to give my spoiler-free review of The Suicide Squad, which came out in theaters and on HBO Max. And I actually don't think I've been this excited to review a movie in a very long time, so we'll get to that. Also going to talk about another Ninja Turtles reboot in the works, so appreciate everybody for being here for being subscribed to the podcast if you're listening on episode release day which is on mondays special shout out to you guys without any further ado let's get started in a world where everyone and their mother has a podcast one man stands to infiltrate the ears of listeners like never before in a movie podcast a man with so much movie knowledge he's basically like a walking imdb with glasses from the Nashville Podcast Network, this is Movie Mike's Movie Podcast. All right, all right, all right. So how this episode idea came to my mind is I have a lot of streaming services now. I have Hulu, HBO Max, Paramount Plus, Apple. Like, I have all the streaming services now. And I get really excited when a movie that I've seen in theaters is available on a streaming service. It, you know, it kind of takes a while now. But the other day I was scrolling through and Joker is available on HBO Max. And that's a movie that I loved when it came out. One of my favorite movies of the last five years. But for some reason, I've not been able to go back and rewatch that movie. I think all the buildup to when that movie came out and when I went to see it, it altered my entire view on movies. Unlike any other movie I had done in a very long time. And it was almost so perfect and I loved it so much that I didn't want to go back and ruin that. And as passionate as I am about, you know, suggesting that movie for other people who haven't seen it to go watch, 
I myself haven't been able to go rewatch that movie. I had it queued up on HBO Max the other night. I had some time and I was like, you know what? I, I'm going to watch this movie now. And I couldn't hit play on it because I don't want to ruin what I thought that movie was to me and how it affected me. I don't really need to take that ride again. And there's some other kind of things with this one in particular that how it makes you feel and what happens in that movie kind of affects you in a way. And it kind of put me in a little bit dark of a mental state after I watched that movie, but which I enjoyed because when a movie can do that to me, I think that's the true power of filmmaking that it alters your view on things. And it, when you leave the theater, you feel a different way. And that's what that movie did to me. And I think rewatching it would take a little bit away from that because I would start to dissect it a little more. Maybe I feel like Joaquin's Phoenix wasn't as strong as I felt it at that time, but I felt like that movie was perfect Everything leading up to it and me experiencing that movie in a movie theater, I only think that watching it again would take away from that. So it still stands up there as one of my favorite movies of the last five years, but I haven't brought myself to watch it again. So that is one of the ones at the top of my list, and that's what kind of inspired this whole kind of topic. And I asked a bunch of people online, what is that movie for you? So that's one of my first ones. And that is also kind of the idea here that these are all really great movies Without a doubt, but maybe they're too sad or they're too depressing. Well, there could also be a twist that once it's revealed, you don't really need to watch it again. So I'll put that one at number five. And I also decided to pick movies that have only come out within the last five years, because I think the main question I get from people that I just talk to, even friends of like, hey, what movie should I go watch right now? And I try to just suggest the most recent favorite movies of mine. Because I want to people experience new things and things that are happening now in film. Because I think the time is now to get into movies and what's happening now. So all of these are within the last five years. Maybe you've seen them, maybe you haven't. But I would suggest checking these all out if you haven't. At number four on my list from 2017, I put Get Out. And this is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And I really loved what Jordan Peele did in this movie. And I'm really excited for his new movie called Nobody that's coming out. And I think he's kind of redefining what horror is. Because for the longest time, I felt horror was associated with there's a serial killer killing a bunch of people or there's some kind of demonic force, something just kind of scary, existential that can be controlled. And that was horror a lot. And a lot of those kind of movies are my favorite movies. But I think what Jordan Peele has been able to do is take the horror genre and mess with your mind a little bit. Take you on a suspenseful ride of where you're trying to figure out exactly what is happening here and create this kind of tension that I really haven't seen a director do in a very long time. And stylistically, I feel like he's really been able to show his voice in his movies. And I think that really comes out with Get Out. And I was so excited to see this movie do so well get the nominations that it did because it really put him on the map to become one of the best directors now. He has two really great movies under his belt, but this one is just my favorite. And I saw this movie in theaters and it's one of those movies that just kind of resonates with you. And if somebody's wanting to see a scary movie out right now, I always recommend to them Get Out. Like if you haven't seen Get Out, start here and then decide whether you like Jordan Peele or not. At number three, I went with Parasite, which came out in 2019. And it was the movie that everybody was talking about when it was nominated and won the Oscar for Best Picture. And this kind of brings me to another point is that a lot of the times movies that win for Best Picture or even just nominated for Best Picture are movies that you only need to watch one time. They're all really great novel movies and sometimes some of my favorites. But for some reason or another, 
they don't have a lot of rewatchability. There were other movies I almost put on this list, like A Marriage Story or The Irishman, which are all really great movies at the time they come out. But sometimes you just forget about these movies, no matter how good they are and how important they are to kind of remember historical moments in film and movie making. Some of the biggest movies of the year, critically, over time, are just not the ones you want to sit down and watch with some friends on a Friday night. And I absolutely loved Parasite. I went to see it before there was a really a lot of buzz about it because mainly I wanted to go see a movie in theaters with subtitles because I felt like that was the only kind of scenario for me that I would really pay attention to reading the subtitles and getting into it because I'll admit, if a movie has subtitles, I'm a little less likely to see it, at least before Parasite. And this is the movie that kind of changed my whole mental approach to watching a movie with subtitles it's really not a big deal like don't let that stop you because if a movie is really great enough and it has subtitles you're going to totally forget about it you experience it in a whole different way and you also get i think a lot more of the story because you're paying attention to every single line you see every written piece of dialogue and you really know what's going on there was nothing lost on me after seeing parasite that i had to read throughout the movie because not only was the dialogue great but visually looked amazing. And you're also just paying more attention to things like body language and the actors actually giving the performance. So I thought this one totally nailed it. And maybe in the same way of Joker, even though it's on Hulu, I still can't bring myself to go back and rewatch this movie because I think I got everything out of it that I needed to at the time. I don't think there's anything I missed from it, but I don't need to see it again. At number two is a movie called Midsummer, but it's spelled out Midsummer. It's another one in the horror genre that I will always recommend to people. And I actually only watched it for the first time in the last year or so. And the reason I think it's such a great horror movie and in the same way, it is kind of a different horror movie in that it's kind of messing with your mind, but also just some images that you are never really prepared to see in a movie. The movie is basically about this girl, has this weird relationship with her boyfriend, has a pretty traumatizing past, and they decide to go on this trip to a country to visit this civilization that they later find out is basically a cult. And not just any cult, but a pagan cult. And they're there during this big midsummer festival that they're having, trying to do this research project for their college class. And it goes from just being about these kids going on this trip to being a complete and total mind blown movie. And I think the reason I haven't been able to go rewatch this movie again, even though I just watched it in the last year or so, even five years, 10 years down the line, I won't go back and rewatch this movie, mainly because of how much it messed with my brain while watching it. And I can only put myself through so much mental strain and see these kind of graphic images one time i'm good with the one time on this one the entire movie kind of felt like when you have a really bad dream and i'm talking about those bad dreams where you wake up in the middle of the night maybe you're sweating a little bit but you audibly wake up with a gasp like <gasps> i have those dreams maybe once a month and it's because i have the weirdest most insane dream sometimes i can almost feel like i experience pain in my dreams it's that kind of a dream so it's basically taking that and putting it to film. And that is what I feel this movie is. So I am not going to watch it again. Not now, not ever. And at number one is another movie from 2019, which I probably need to make a whole other podcast about how 2019 is one of the most underrated years in film. I mean, just from this list, there were three movies from 2019. But the other one I would add as my top movie that I only needed to see once is Uncut Gems. And first of all, if you haven't seen Uncut Gems with Adam Sandler... You're either going to love this movie or completely hate it. That's the only other 
reviews I've heard from my friends and family. Like they either went into this movie and completely loved it the way I did or you completely hated it. And why I think that is, is because this movie is very, very stressful. I was literally, and I don't use that word unless I mean it literally, on the edge of my seat watching this movie. I was stressed out. It felt like watching a car wreck unfold. And and the Safdie brothers basically took this concept of like always feeling like something was about to go wrong and made an entire movie out of it. Because while you're watching Adam Sandler, who's basically this really kind of not so great guy doing all these things to put him further and further into a hole. You just feel worse and worse for him. And, you know, just something terrible is going to happen once all this stuff hits the fan. And even later, when the movie was added to Netflix, I saw it sitting there and I couldn't bring myself to watch it, mainly because I think this one was a roller coaster that I only needed to go on one time and only needed to feel those feelings one time. And I think that's okay. I just think that some of the best movies, like this one, takes you on all the twists and turns. You experience all the ups and downs. And after it's all over, you're kind of complete. I think this is the best example of a movie you only need to experience one time and one time only. And if you've seen this movie multiple times, I think there may be a problem with your brain. So we'll have to get you evaluated, but this is my top one that I only needed to see once. And I did ask this question on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And here's the top five that I gathered from everybody's responses. And number five was The Village and a bunch of other M. Night Shyamalan movies. And I think that's mainly due to the fact that once you know the twist in a movie, you're not going to get anything else out of, out of rewatching it. And number four, an interesting one, Passion of the Christ. Maybe because the images were a little bit too much or overall with just a hard watch. Also a bit of a longer movie. So I found that one probably the most interesting response that I saw again and again out of every movie that you guys suggested. At number three was Saving Private Ryan. Okay. And then at number two was Titanic. I think this one greatly has to do with the running time on this movie. But I don't really agree with that one, mainly because if the movie comes on TV, I'll find myself watching it again and again. Maybe I won't sit down and like, all right, tonight we're watching the Titanic. I guess that's not really a thing that most people would do, but I would still rewatch some scenes, maybe catch it from the middle and watch it till the end if it was on TV. So I wouldn't sit down to watch it. Yeah, but probably would rewatch at some point in my life. Like when I want to teach my future kids about history, I'll be like, all right, let's sit down and watch Leonardo DiCaprio in this real life story of Titanic. And then at number one from 2018 was A Star is Born. I felt like one of the most overrated movies of the last five years. A movie that I was surprised as how big of a hit it was. And I think that was largely due because of the music that came from this movie. But I completely agree with this one. So there you go. Those are all great movies. If you haven't seen them at some point in your life, add them to your list and let me know what you think. You can shoot me an email, moviemikeD at gmail.com or just tweet me, send me a DM at Mike Distro. If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day, I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the body app and just follow along day by day. Before most people are even out of bed, I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. 
The next 500 people who go to body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65% because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, hey, you get your money back. Just go to body.com. That's B-O-D-I.com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. I haven't been this excited to do a movie review in a very long time. I went to see The Suicide Squad in theaters on Friday night. I chose to see it on the big screen versus watching it at home on HBO Max. And I'm really happy I made that decision, but I don't think that's for everybody. I have a lot to dissect in this spoiler-free review, but if you haven't seen the trailer for this yet, just to give you some context, here's just a little bit of the trailer. Your mission is to destroy every trace of something known only as Project Starfish. Any questions? Starfish is a slang term for a butthole. Think there's any connection? No. No. So the biggest question I've seen about the Suicide Squad is that didn't they just make this movie like four years ago? And yes, Suicide Squad came out in 2016. The Suicide Squad just came out in 2021. And there's some key differences here. It's not a remake of that movie. It's more a reimagining a new director with James Gunn, a new story, a new mission, everything else. It's pretty much different, aside from the fact that they brought back a few of the characters, like Margot Robbie is back as Harley Quinn. Viola Davis is in this one. The original Rick Flagg is in this movie. So they took some of the characters, I would argue the best characters from Suicide Squad, and put them into the Suicide Squad. The other main difference is that one was rated PG-13, and I think that was mainly because they were trying to keep that kind of Avengers vibe of it being friendly for the whole family which I think ended up ultimately hurting the film with that PG-13 rating because they couldn't really go full on, all right, here's a really gritty comic book movie. They still had to play that line of keeping it into PG-13. And right around that time, they had a 
big Marvel hit with Deadpool, which was a rated R comic book movie. So they were kind of like, oh man, we kind of missed the mark there. This one is rated R and a very hard R. I feel like this is almost if Quentin Tarantino were to make a superhero comic book movie, that is the kind of vibe this one had. It was extremely violent. Like within the opening scene of the movie, I felt my insides twist a little bit of how violent it was. So if you're not really comfortable with a lot of blood, people getting their faces blown off, sliced off, like those kind of images are in this movie. And what I liked about it is that it went for it. It was very unapologetically violent, which I feel now is kind of the trend. I've seen it a little bit in like The Boys, which is a series on Amazon, that in order to kind of make an impact with violence now, you almost have to go over the top for it to kind of resonate. Otherwise, we see violence on TV all the time. But to kind of give it a more cinematic quality, this movie took it a step further. So if you're uncomfortable with those kind of images, mm, might not be the movie for you. I went to see it with my wife, Kelsey, and those are the only parts of the movie where she had to turn away. She ended up liking the movie, but she's not really into violence, not really into horror. So those parts did make her turn away and not want to watch it. Other than that, I think she loved it. And one of the things that really kind of draws my eye to the big screen while I was excited and happy that I went to see it in theaters versus watching it at home on streaming is I really feel like there was little details that the director James Gunn put into this movie that really made it feel like a whole cohesive piece. And it's from like, you know, sometimes movies put text on the screen to kind of clarify what is happening in the story at that point. And it's easy enough to just put a simple font up there and, you know, kind of explain it that way. But James Gunn took it a step further and does these cool special effects where he's writing out letters and things that actually pertain to the story, which just make it more visually appealing. Not only that, I really love the color palette used in this movie. It kind of has like a vintage old school feel to it. I feel like all the costume design and just the way the movie looks, it felt more like a film rather than just a superhero comic book movie. I think a lot of what the DC movies, the trouble I have is they kind of just look overproduced in a way i feel like i'm watching sometimes like a music video for a metal band in the 2000s when i see a dc movie because it's just so many graphics and special effects that it really takes away from me wanting to watch it i just feel like i'm just watching a big green screen with these actors but in the suicide squad i really felt like it had that movie maker feel to it like it was shot on an old school camera in a way and then we get to the cast which i think this really made the movie. Bringing back Margot Robbie was the best choice. I think Harley Quinn is my favorite DC character. Viola Davis was great in this one. But, but then they brought in new characters like John Cena as Peacemaker, which I thought was fantastic. And I think of all the movies I've seen John Cena in, he's usually kind of the comic relief. Or like in F9, he's so just kind of ridiculous and over the top that I kind of questioned whether or not he was really a good actor. And in this one, I think his character plays perfect to who he is. And I really got to see him, you know, do a pretty good job at being a believable actor. And I think this role was perfect for him. So he was one of my favorite parts of it. Idris Elba as Bloodsport was really the lead I didn't know I needed. He kind of took the role that Will Smith had in Suicide Squad and really kind of carried the entire movie being essentially the main character here of the entire Suicide Squad. And I just thought he was fantastic. And I don't really see him as an action star. But it was his ability to do the big action scenes, but also have this comedic side to him that I thought he was perfect for. And speaking of his comedic side, 
I think this is one of the funniest comic book movies I've ever seen. Maybe ever. And the reason I think is that a lot of the Marvel movies, they play to a lot bigger audience. They're going for mass appeal to the max. And the jokes in Avengers movies or any Marvel movie, I feel like they appeal to six-year-olds and also 60-year-olds. And some of the things in them, as much as I love Marvel, when you kind of look at them, I think, like, is this really that funny or is it just kind of like a cheeky humor? Like, the whole line and joke about Captain America's butt being America's ass and that, like, that's pretty funny. And we remember that from that movie, but I don't think that's laugh out loud while I'm watching the movie funny. It's just kind of a lighthearted moments that come from all the big action of Marvel movies. Unlike in this one, I felt like I found myself at several moments, maybe more than five, actually laughing out loud because of the writing in the movie. And in an age where I feel like we don't have a whole lot of comedies for them to be able to make a comic book movie like this that has some actual real comedic moments in it, I thought that was a big win for them. And I think some of the biggest comic relief came from my favorite character out of the entire movie, who is King Shark, voiced by Sylvester Stallone. And he's kind of, I would say, the Groot of this movie. He only says a few words, but he's a big, dumb shark, and I found myself more emotionally invested in his story throughout any other character in the movie. I don't know if it's because I like identified with him the most of being this big, violent kind of being, and kind of a little bit the outcast of the entire Suicide Squad. But there was just something emotionally that struck a chord with me about King Shark and his story in this movie that I felt like James Gunn totally really took these characters that you probably have no idea about and put them in this world that, okay, I totally get it. There's a guy throwing polka dots and I'm totally invested in it. So I really loved that whole side of this. And if you're not familiar with James Gunn, who directed this, You've probably seen his work. He did Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. He's been rehired to do 3. He also did a movie I really love from back in the day called Super from 2010 with Rain Wilson and Elliot Page. If you haven't seen that movie, I think that really kind of gives you a glimpse of the mind of James Gunn. And the way he was also able to make this movie have some surprisingly heartfelt moments. In the midst of all this chaos and ridiculousness, there's some moments you actually feel some emotional attachment to these characters so on all levels i think there was just a lot going on here a lot more depth than your average comic book movie and easily one of the best dc movies i think if i had to rate the top five dc movies it would be right up there at number five i'd probably put harley quinn number four i'd go with wonder woman number three shazam at number two i would put the suicide squad and that's only because my favorite movie has been joker which is kind of in its own other little DC universe in a way, but that would be my top five. I would easily put this one on there. And if I had to rate it, I would give it 4.5 out of five King Sharks. And easily, you must see this movie. If you're into comic book movies, if you're just into action movies, I think you should watch it. I personally love seeing it on the big screen, but if you have HBO Max and want to watch it at home for free, I think it'll totally translate over. So one of my favorite movies of the year. So I think it's a definite must see. If you struggle to get in shape and lose weight, I'm about to change your life. I'm Carl, the CEO of Body, and I don't like working out and eating healthy either. So here's how I get myself to do it. I make myself 
own the morning. And by the morning, I mean the first hour or so every day. It's not family time. It's not for scrolling social media. It's for my results and my health. And man, does it work. Every day, I get out of bed, drink a health shake I made the night before, and then I go crush a workout in the body app and just follow along day by day. Before most people are even out of bed, I'm done for the day. So here's my offer to you. The next 500 people who go to body.com will get 65% off a full year of access to over 120 programs. 65% because I want you to start now and see how fast the pounds come off and the muscles start popping. And if they don't, hey, you get your money back. Just go to body.com. That's B-O-D-I.com. And let's own the morning together and get healthy and fit. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Let's go over now and check out some movie headlines. One of my favorite stories in movie news in the past week is that Colin Jost and his brother Casey are writing a brand new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie. Yes, it's getting rebooted yet again. The plot details are still under wraps because they're still just in the early stages of writing the movie, but it said it will refocus on the four turtle brothers, Michelangelo, Leonardo, Donatello, and Raphael. And also at the same time, Nickelodeon is working with an animated movie that Seth Rogen is executive producing that'll come out in 2023. And I think Ninja Turtles is one of the biggest franchises that since the original movies, they haven't really known what to do with. You know, I kind of grew up with those movies in the 90s and the Ninja Turtles were a little bit before my time because my brother who grew up in the 80s, like they were the biggest thing there. And I think that's great while... And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I'm excited that Colin Jost and his brother are doing this because over all the reimaginations and reworkings of Ninja Turtles, I think this is the first time that it's been worked on by somebody who was a fan of them in their early childhood days. They were so big now, and I think it's kind of harder for things to be like an overall culture phenomenon among kids. I think maybe now it's like Fortnite or maybe like what Minecraft was. I think that's what Ninja Turtles were in the 80s. So for somebody to grow up with them and now be working on a movie, I am really excited about that. 
I wasn't really the biggest fan of the Michael Bay movies while I was excited to see him on the big screen again. I think those movies came and went and they really didn't give a new voice or really bring anything new to the franchise. So I also just read Colin Joe's book, which is called A Very Punchable Face. And I may be in a little bit of like just being kind of all about him and into his story right now. So it could be another reason why I'm excited about that. I just think he has a really interesting past from, you know, growing up, being a writer, being with SNL for so long, now being married to one of the biggest movie stars ever, Scarlett Johansson, and seeing where he's going to go from kind of his departure from SNL and now kind of getting more into writing for movies. I think he's really funny. So excited for that one. Also in movie news, Brendan Fraser has been announced that he will be in the new Martin Scorsese movie called Killers of the Flower Moon, which also stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. I'm most excited about this one because we haven't really seen Brendan Fraser in a movie in a very long time. I know he's had a pretty interesting past that kind of led him to staying away from starring in big movies, kind of took him out of the spotlight. He felt like he was kind of blacklisted from the industry and really hasn't done a whole lot of movies. And he was kind of the biggest action star for a little while with movies like The Mummy. I feel like he was kind of the Chris Pratt of that time. And he's hasn't really been around since. So I'm excited for him to have a big feature role here. I mean, to go from being in that trilogy of The Mummy, but also doing comedies like George of the Jungle, he was in Looney Tunes back in action, also in Encino Man. I feel like he has quite the range. So seeing him in a Martin Scorsese movie, I will be watching that. I'm really excited. It's supposed to come out next year. So that's definitely a movie at the top of my list. And then finally in movie news, The Suicide Squad has the best R-rated opening during the pandemic, making $26.5 million at the box office. But that's also one of the lowest openings for the franchise. A couple things going on here. Is one, it's also available on HBO Max. And you have the ability and the decision to make of, do you want to go watch it in theaters and experience there, or you just want to watch it at home? That's kind of what we're seeing now. We're also seeing the country in a bit of a different situation right now with some things closing down again, some things going back into being restrictions. So that could change somebody's decision to want to go to the movies. I went to see this on a Friday night, 7 p.m. showing, and the theater was relatively empty. I'm talking there was maybe one person on way the other side of us in the theater, maybe another couple or two a row back, and then maybe a couple in the front. I'd say it was like 20 people in this entire big theater, which is a little bit sad for me to see because I love experiencing movies like this in the theater. But I also saw James Gunn, who directed the movie, kind of express the way I've been feeling too is that he really doesn't care, and this is coming from a director, if people see his movie in theaters or at home. He was like, Jaws is one of my favorite movies of all time, but I've never seen that in the theaters. I've only seen that at home. And the way movies are really going to be able to last is for people to be able to see them at home. Like, that's how they live. Like, yes, you can go experience it and have that feeling in a theater, but five years from now, you're going to watch movies that came out a long time ago, and that's how they kind of carry on their legacy is through streaming services i just thought that was a pretty interesting take to see the whole situation in a world where people are trying to keep movie theaters open i'd say just give us the option so it was sad to see that it had kind of an underwhelming box office debut and i feel it's also attributed to the original one just being pelted to death with really bad reviews and i would also like to say that i don't see myself as a movie critic i am a 
film enthusiast. And just like you, I pay my ticket to go see a movie. I pay for my streaming services at home. I'm just a guy who loves movies. Basically, if you went to a party and there's a guy there who just happens to know a lot about movies and seems to be only talking about movies the entire time. We've all seen that person at a party. Like, that is me. I don't have any affiliation with any movie studio. I don't feel the need to alter my reviews on any external thing. And I feel like sometimes movie critics are like that. They go into it whether they have a kind of feeling about the actor or the director or just the franchise, and they want to take a movie down and give it a bad review. And I feel like DC and... The, Suicide Squad in particular suffers from that. Like there was nothing inside of me that felt the need to say a bad thing about this movie, but yet it gets bad reviews, even though it has one of the highest ratings on Rotten Tomatoes for all the DC movies, it's still not doing so well at the box office. And I think people just have that kind of mentality of the DC movies not being as great as Marvel and they're not giving them a chance. I just want to say, give them a chance. But all right, that's going to do it for this week's episode. But before I hop out of here every single week, I give a shout out to one of you guys listening, especially a shout out to anybody who listens when these episodes come out on Mondays. And last week, I gave a not so great review that I got on Apple Podcasts, a one star review. So I did want to share a positive one in response to that with a positive five star review that I had just written. And it says, love the podcast, so informative and interesting. Always enjoy listening to Mike and Kelsey talk about their own personal experiences too. Keep up the good work. I would say their username, but it just looks like they just typed on the keyboard. But if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can scroll down to wherever you're subscribed and just hit that five-star rating, write a quick little review, what you think about the podcast. But if you have any complaints, you can send them over to my Gmail, moviemikeD at gmail.com. And I appear to be losing my voice. So before I completely blow it out, That's the episode for this week. Talk to you next week here on the podcast. And until then, later. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.